Blog Talk Radio. It's a gridiron stud show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Talamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amel and Chad, with your breakfast toast. What are you doing? I'm doing some sweet bung moves. I'm a little better than everyone else here. Erickson, you must follow direction. You rack a discipline. Nuh-uh, I don't rack a discipline. Minasa, you all need more discipline. True discipline come from within. Yes, we all rack a discipline. And uh, that's why we're here. That's why we're doing a show like this. We just lack discipline. Can't do much of anything else. Today is Monday, January 19th. Uh, what's the year again, Emil? Is it 2015? Keep writing it on those Good. checks if you're still writing checks. 2015. Good grief. We're damn near 20 days into this new year, and uh, some of y'all still have a headache from uh, the New Year's Eve drinking. Nevertheless, two teams that have a headache today are the Indianapolis Colts and the Green Bay Packers for uh, the same reasons with slightly different courses to that. The Green Bay Packers had a victory in their hands, and it literally slipped through their fingers. We'll talk about that on the show today. The Indianapolis Colts had a chance. It evaporated about two minutes into their game against the New England Patriots. As once again, folks, throw up if you're from outside of the Boston area. Tom Brady and the boys are in the Super Bowl once again. It seems to be a you know every other year thing. Tom Brady is there. And uh, we do need to examine the dynasty of the New England Patriots, even though they haven't won a Super Bowl for quite some time. They just seem to always be on the cusp of being there or there or on the uh, fringes of winning it when well, they get back to winning one again. This is the 2014 season, right? So since the 2001 season, which encompasses 14 seasons, the New England Patriots have been the AFC Super Bowl representative six times. Six so basically, half the time, every other year, yeah, every other year is what it works out. Every to. other year, these damn guys are in the Super Bowl and they're there once again. They haven't won it since when? Two thousand four, am I correct? Two thousand four, but well, there's no. I mean, really, there's no shame. In, I mean, in, in our society, there seems to be not that you go to go there to lose, but my God, losing the Super Bowl is not shameful. I mean, <laughs> there's thirty other teams that wouldn't mind trying to play. Yeah, well, Jim Kelly and a young John Elway might disagree with that. They took quite a bit of hell uh, on it. So, Well, you know, you know what you have think? me here for? This is another little tidbit for the fans out there. The Patriots mm-hmm. yesterday, by going to the Super Bowl, have are making their eighth trip. Uh, the six I talked about earlier, the one with Parcells, which was mm-hmm. the 1997 season, I believe. And the one where the Bears devoured them. Or no, the nineteen was it, it was the nineteen ninety eight season, that the nineteen ninety six season, right, and then when the eighty five when the Bears devoured them, right. So this is their eighth trip to the Super Bowl as a franchise, tying them for the most trips ever with the Pittsburgh Steelers, who also have eight, having won six, 
and the Dallas Cowboys, who have eight, having won five. The yeah, Patriots, there they are. They are on the Mount Rushmore of NFL franchises. Would, would you? Would you not? Well, say that? I mean, yeah. I mean, if they win, it'll be their fourth win. I mean, it'll put them up there. I mean, all-time wins. You got the Steelers six, Cowboys and 49ers five, and then you've got the uh, Packers and Giants with four. So it'll put them right there and firmly uh, in the in the top echelon. You know, four to six well, wins kind all- of put you up there as the, you know, great franchises. Top four franchises of all time. I think you, you, we, you, uh, you know, we'll talk. The, those top three you named are are the three. I think Who's the Steelers, four? Cowboys, and Packers are pretty easy. <laughs> They're cemented. They're cemented yeah. there. They're three out of the four. There's no way around that. I don't care who you are. You uh, don't have to like the them, but that's just the reality. And then you could it argue. Is what it you is. know. Yeah, you could argue. Who's I mean, that I fourth? think. Do you say I mean, Patriots? Do you say Packers? What do you do there? Well, wait, I said Packers. I think firmly we'd have to say Steelers, Cowboys, 49ers at this point. You know, I, I said Packers. You know, when you're looking Super Bowl, you're right. Follow I mean, me here. I already said that's three out of the four. Okay, I said four. Packers mistakenly, and I would say if you're looking, I, I mean, I almost think you have to say five. I, I don't think you can. I think you're separating crap, you know, fly, fly no, crap. No, we're not from doing pepper. that. We're not doing that. There's four. Come on. Play with the rules here, Mr. Accountant. Who's number four? Maybe that's a question we throw out there to you today. 347-633-9365. Well, I'm going to answer it for you, though, if you want me to. Well, we'll, you know, we're going to invite our fan base, our listenership, to uh, jump in on that if you want to, if you've got the balls to call. I think some people are off from work today. There's a holiday going on. So you can call in today. There are very precious few excuses. The number to call, 347-633-9365. We have three out of the top four NFL franchises of all time. That is San Francisco. That is Pittsburgh. That is Dallas. Who's the? I'm going to answer for you, and then they can argue with me. I'm going to separate it by this. I'm going to say that, first of all, you won't Tell us who's in the running first. Tell us who's in the running. The Packers and Patriots for that four spot. No one else? We can't include the Raiders? <laughs> no, and, you know, the Giants could make a case, but the Giants, you know, I mean, they, they, they've been to five Super Bowls. They've won four, but they've had – Oh, well, then why aren't they in there? Come on. you're Come on. Don't cheat New York. You're tripping. I'm not – okay, we'll, we'll, in we'll include all three, and here's how I'm going to separate it for you. I think they're all very close. Okay, so first I'm going to throw the Giants out because in between the 80s and when they won some more of them – they had a lot of lo- if you go look at the record books they had a lot of losing seasons as well not like well we weren't we weren't great we won 8 or 9 games like i mean like they've had some really hey, bad man, seasons man but when they show up when they show up it's about business they don't just go to super bowls to freaking hang around and get their freaking nose bloodied when they I, show up they're winning i understand that. that you're asking me to separate i i've said probably all you I'm know if you, you want to tidbit in you I'm just okay. throwing that little tidbit in there for you. You're when New asking York me to separate. Up, son, when New York shows up, they win. They do, yeah. So, so, but you're asking me to separate. Now, so I'm going to pitch them out. The Patriots and Packers, to me, are close. Now, here's the deal. The Packers have been a, a, a team that's won across generations. They won when there's 12 teams in the league when they had Curly Lambeau. Okay, granted, it wasn't as hard to win back then because there was only 12 teams in the league versus that's 32. The brothers didn't play football back then. Uh, understood. And the brothers didn't play. And um, they've won now, and they've they, they've been good. They've been on the cusp a lot. Um, they've been there five times and won four. Now the thing for the Patriots with me is, it's hard. I want to say them, but here's the deal: they've won it a lot with one quarterback and one coach. And if you really go back into their history, there was a lot of sucking, a lot of sucking 
pre-Brady Belichick. So it's hard for me to say that I'm going to throw out the Can I call a quick – let me get a quick 30-second, all right? Let me get a quick 30-second timeout. Um, Listen, when we're talking about the greatness, it's when they're great, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, Are we going to discuss the down years? Yeah, down years. Everyone's had them. Pretty much everyone's had down years. And then this whole thing with, uh, you know, one quarterback, one coach. What are we really talking about with the Steelers? Well, they won. They won with Bradshaw and Noel, and then they won with Roethlisberger. I mean, how many Super Bowls did the Cowboys win without Jimmy Johnson? One with Barry Switzer, and I dare say that's Jimmy Johnson. And, and they won two with Staubach and Landry, and they All went right, to five of them. I mean, what I'm trying to say is, you're asking when you start separating greatness. Okay, I mean, there is no right answer here. I'm saying, if I'm looking, okay, and I just, you know, I pull this up here. The Patriots, as of yesterday, their all-time winning percentage is .532 as a franchise. The Packers are third behind the Cowboys and Bears at .567. So they they've been close. Both of them have won a lot of championships. So I'm saying they the Packers, throughout their history have had a little bit less downtime. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And that's, listen, you could easily make the argument that, hey, you got there eight times, win or lose this time. You know, that's a great friend. I mean, if you tell me you want to put the Patriots four, I'm not going to argue hard with you. But I'm just saying for me, it's close. I would probably, you know, put put those four up there. And, and truthfully, you're making it hard for discussion purposes. Probably all five belong up there because the Patriots are certainly one of now the all-time great franchises. Hey, listen, the uh, college football has a 14 playoff. They don't just meander a 15 in there to say, hey, you guys can hang around. Hey, I do what I want. I, I don't, oh, I'm, I'm just I'm that kind of radical. We've got, we've got some kind of rules here on the gridiron. Studs show. I All think right. we're on the we're wrong ready. topic. I mean, what's, you know what the listeners want to know? How the hell are the Packers not in the Super Bowl solving this argument for us? They could play the Patriots, and you and I wouldn't have to argue. I I know. Well, arguing is good. Uh, The Packers are not in the Super Bowl because number 86 could not catch an onside kick. Nothing else for the other 59 minutes and 50 seconds matters. Number 86 couldn't catch an onside kick. But he wasn't supposed to. That's what's even worse. He was not supposed to catch it. That's even worse. He wasn't supposed to. His only job there was to block uh-huh. so Jordy Nelson could catch it. That's it. So what the hell was he doing going up for the ball? You, okay, listen, you'd have to ask him if you see him that's hanging out on South Beach have this to, winter. Something gonna have, that's something he'll ask himself when he walks out of McCarthy's room tomorrow, probably when he's released by the team. Uh, I know that's what your old lovable coach Jimmy Johnson would have done. I don't even think that, that dude, <laughs> dude would not have ridden back on the plane. No, no, he would have he he been flying right uh, he would have been flying coach on his own dime. But here, listen, here's here's the other thing. Oh, wait, wait, I, time I, out. Tell me something. On the back of that charter flight home back to Green Bay, Wisconsin, do you think he was really pounding the cocktails? <laughs> yeah, and do you know what? They just I, kept him coming. I want you to take off your host hat for a second and put on your coach hat, though. And you, you and I have talked about this. Yes, it was a boneheaded play. But, again, the Packers had numerous chances after that play to win the game. So to just put it on him and say, well, Oh, gonna... I hate when you try to make me be intelligent. I don't want to do that. I just want to be a fan. Well, they let, they let the Seahawks go 50 yards. They let Marshawn Lynch uh-huh. walk into the end zone from 25 yards hey, out. Hey, listen, listen. No one lets Marshawn do anything. He does what he wants. 
You understand okay. what he does? Yeah, except where he didn't wear his gold spikes. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that the play to me after the – you know, let's assume they caught the onside kick, even if they ran three yeah. plays with the two-minute warning mm-hmm. and the one timeout. The Seahawks would have had to go 80 yards in about a minute mm-hmm. with no timeouts and score a touchdown. So there's a real high probability he catches that Green Bay's winning. But mm-hmm. after that play, to me, and I said it when it happened, the play that Russell Wilson scrambled around like Fran Tarkington, for those of you who don't know who Fran Tarkington is, go look it up, Fran Tarkington, mm-hmm. and threw what amounted to a punt for the two-point mm-hmm. conversion, and that guy caught it. That, mm-hmm. to me, was a very key play, and I said it as it happened, because if you really look, it's a 20-19 to 19 ball game. Packers had mm-hmm. all three timeouts in a minute 25 with the best quarterback in the league. There was a real high chance they were at least going to get a kick to try to win that game. They, they stopped mm-hmm. that two-pointer. The kick they eventually made that sent it into overtime is a, is a game-winning kick. So, yeah, well, you know how these things work, though, Emil. I mean, uh, there's a side of me that says, um, okay, listen, a football game played for 60 minutes plus, as we had yesterday, is plus involved because we went overtime. Uh, there's so many plays that occur in a game that you can't sit here and boil everything down to one play. That's one side. The other side mm-hmm. says there's a big thing in every football game especially those that come down to a last drive or a field goal uh, called momentum. And when you're a coach, you always want to – the biggest thing you're always trying to, to, to guard yourself against are having those momentum plays work against you. And in a game like that, not fielding the onside kick after a team just went down there and scored and got, you know, got themselves closer – is a big play in a game, and you know, I'll huge. I'm not. I'm not. Listen, you're play. not going to get me debating that with you. I'm not saying right. it wasn't huge. What I'm trying to say is, you, you're in a championship game. You must collect yourself. You've got the best quarterback in three timeouts. There's a good chance you can go down and win this ball game. The the way they allowed Seattle to make two points was embarrassing. Go back and watch the play again. I think I think I could have knocked the pass down. I mean, he, he threw it up. There. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows what happens there? That's that whole thing with momentum, though. You start feeling like it's slipping away from you, and then sure. a simple play like that becomes very difficult. Let me ask you a couple questions strategic, strategically. Again. I want to go over a couple yeah. things with you. Okay, mm-hmm. first play strategically, and I mentioned it, I swear as it was happening, so I said to my son while we were sitting there, it was third and five. There's about five and a half minutes left in the ball game. Packers had the ball. And for some godforsaken reason, they chose to throw it. And he threw an incomplete pass. And I said, you know, Casey, we're looking at this. We're up 12 points here, the Packers. They think maybe, I don't know if they think they have this in the bag, but those 30 seconds are going to be precious, potentially. That's what I said to him. I said, why they did not run the ball and at least make Seattle use a timeout? Or maybe Seattle lets the clock run thinking we need two scores. We're going to save our timeouts. They threw the ball and stopped the clock for them. First first thing I said, bonehead. Then at one point, and I forget how much time was left, in that same time period, Green Bay intercepts a pass, mm-hmm. one of their many. And, and, and the guy, guy goes the to base. the ground. There's, I mean, it's not like there's 30 base. seconds left in the game. Yeah. He just Very fell dumb. down. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't understand that at all whatsoever. They, they actually acted like a team that they played the whole game 
Happy they to got to the point lead. of winning, and then they played not to lose it. Like It's like you tell a guy, it, what if he runs it back? The game's over. Why would you just go down? I have no idea. He's, that's something that he's probably replaying his head over and over. Um, I'm, not, I'm not a big one for, for the whole slide thing. Call me crazy. Uh, as a defensive back, and I tell my guys this, you pick a ball off in the end zone, run it out. Run it out. All right, how many times do you get an opportunity to take a ball from coast to coast? Run the damn thing out, man. Well, and you probably probably also coach some situations. I know you. You're probably saying, listen, if there's 30 seconds left and the other team's out of timeouts, fall the hell down. But if there's four or five minutes left. I I don't coach that. I don't coach that. Okay. Okay. Run with the football. Run with the football. I mean, if if you're going to get – I mean, protect the ball. Uh, Listen, uh, most of your guys, your defensive backs, even guys that are in high school, at some point have been a running back. You've had a football in your hand before. You know how to run with it. You know how to protect it. Uh, the, um, the, the only amount of caution I ask for you is to protect the ball, not hold it over your head like prime time and get it knocked out of there. But I right. have never coached a DB uh, after an interception to go sliding around somewhere. Man, go take, that's, that's your moment. Pick that thing off and take off with it. Well, I, yeah, well, to, to, to your point then, he should have taken his moment because that was one I really didn't understand. And me, I would give him a pass, like I said, if there's 30 seconds left and you say, hey, I'm not fumbling this damn thing because we just won the NFC Championship, I'm great with that. But there's three, four, or five minutes left in that game. You don't know what's going to happen. He went down like the game was over. Hey, you're a Cowboys <laughs> fan, okay? You're a Cowboys fan, so obviously you had your years with Deion Sanders. In all your years, did you ever see Deion Sanders catch a pick and, and slide? Hell no. Here's a, guy who, here's a guy who played baseball and knows how to slide and stole a ton of bases. No, he never went down. When that ball got in his hand, action time. It, whether it's two seconds left in a game and they had a two-point lead or they were blowing someone out 41 to nothing. Take that ball and do use your God-given ability and run the damn thing back, which is what this guy should have done, even if they got close enough uh, to even kick one of the many field goals that they kicked yesterday. And that was – you want to talk about something. I always remember Steve Young saying this. You're on the road in the playoffs. You're not kicking field goals. You're not winning by kicking field goals. And the Packers had all kind of fortunate things happen for them defensively early in the game. And they took it and turned it into field goals. And, uh, you know, one or two of those things turned into touchdowns. We don't even have this discussion. Well, and I, you live in Florida, so I'm sure even though you don't play, you know there's a lot of golf down in Florida. So I'm going to steal a uh, Jason Garrett line from the week before. You don't go to the Masters and lay up on the par fives. In other words, you, you got to go to win the first one. I, I'll give him a pass. If he went for the first one, the second one was a couple yards away. I don't mind taking the 19-yard field goal, but my God, you had third and goal at the half-yard line. You got stopped. You've got to set the tone as a coach, and I said it before it happened. It's not me saying, well, results-oriented. I mean, half-yard line, you got to set the tone and say to your team, damn it, if we can't get a half-yard against these guys, I'm not sure we should win. And if they do stop you, they're on the half-yard line. There's a good chance if your defense can stop their pedestrian offense, you're going to get a punt, and you're going to be on their 40 anyway looking at a field goal. Yep. Um, you you got you to find a way to get touchdowns in those situations. I want to go back to something that you asked me about uh, strategically, the third and five where they decided to throw the football, and that was an incomplete pass, and you know you, you estimated 30 seconds. 
um, was was the or more. I'm just saying, you know, minimum they probably gave away 30 seconds. This is one of those hidden things, all right, for guys out there that just love the passing game and they're over-exuberated by the passing game. That's one of the things right there that I'm going to point to for you. When you build your offense around the passing, and running is just something you do to uh, keep a team uh, off balance or just to say that you run the ball occasionally, this is where you get hurt, and this is how teams come back on you. the, the Seattle Seahawks, a team that has a running game they can believe in. Uh, the New England Patriots, who uh, have been all about Tom Brady for the last decade and have not been uh, Super Bowl champions, but yesterday displayed the fact that they believe in their running game. In those situations, can fully believe in turning around and handing the ball to their running back and that they can possibly pick up five yards uh, or at the very least not have something catastrophic happen and run some time off the clock. But these pass-happy teams will take situations like that and make it a passing situation and you get an incomplete pass. Or you get third and ones and they're in five wide receivers. Or you get fourth and goal from the half-yard line and they want to go throwing the ball around and you can't turn around and hand the ball to a guy and your offensive line push people and you be physical and you run the ball into the end zone. Those are the situations for pass-happy teams that cause them to not win championships. Well, I can tell you that I can tell you the coach speak that McCarthy's going to give you today. If they, if somebody's astute enough to even notice that and ask about it, he's going to say, "Well, our goal to run out the clock is to possess the football, and to possess the football, we need first downs. And to get a first down, I'm going to put it in the hands of my best player and probably the best at his position in the league, Aaron Rodgers. And I'm going to say, very well, Mike. But the other team needed two touchdowns at that point to win the game." So you really don't even need a first down. You just need to not waste some time Still and not clock. let them get big Mother plays. With the clock. That's it. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah, and and so that's the that's the thinking. That's how those guys will defend that type of uh, philosophy and mentality of um, throwing the ball around. All this is what. And I'm going to ask him also: Did Eddie Lacy never run for five yards before? Because we're not asking him to yeah, run for fifteen. Um, something curious. Uh, you know, I wasn't sitting there watching the game uh, alone. As, as I typically do. I was in a, in a house full of people. But uh, can you tell me, I, I missed the explanation as to why Clay Matthews missed two important series at the end of the game. I didn't hear that either. I didn't hear that either. And, and I'll tell you something else, though. Not to get off Clay Matthews, he may have been injured or whatever, but we missed another key play that I'm surprised you didn't touch on the coach and you. How about getting beat for a fake field goal when the other team's down 16 nothing? Uh, yeah, I happened to be in a car at that time. So I mean, it was just bizarre to me that they weren't ready for the play. I mean, the other team's down essentially two touchdowns and two two-point conversions. I mean, the way their offense is going for them, they have to be on the sidelines thinking, you know what, we kick a field goal here. I'm not sure. Watch the fake situation. It's what everyone should have been yelling. You know. Yeah, because I mean, you know what, if you want to peel off the, why even try to block it? It was a short field goal. Just if they kick it, you're up 16-3. Good for them. The chances of you blocking it are small anyway. Why not play? Hey, we're in the prevent that the fake field goal mode. If they want to kick it, let them kick it. Yeah, and that's one of those things that gives you momentum or changes around doubt into belief, and that's really all that it takes in a football game. People really, really underestimate that. Um, the power of belief in the power of uh, momentum. Well, but can we credit uh, Seattle here for a second, for one second, because we, we spent a good chunk of this segment saying what Green Bay could have done. But here, let, let me let me flip this on you. Yeah, Green Bay kicked an 18 and a 19-yard field goal. They could have went for it. 
But that has something to do with, number one, Seattle making it very damn hard to get in the first three times they tried on, on those series and staring across the line at Seattle's defense, putting that doubt in the Packers coaching staff's mind. So there, there's something to be said for Seattle hanging in this game. And I know to some people out there this may seem ludicrous because of the way they came back and won. But I truly believe the better team won the game. When you get five takeaways and, and you score 22 points, you deserve to lose. Very true. And that is a testament to the strength of Seattle's defense. Because in any other situation, uh, where there are five turnovers and your, you know, your esteemed quarterback throws four interceptions in a game, the score should have looked like what happened in the Patriots-Colts game. Well, you damn right it should have. have. That game should have been – they should have needed a flashlight at halftime to find the Green Bay yeah. Packers. Instead, it was 16 nothing, which is two scores and two two-point conversions. I mean, that score, they had four takeaways, I believe, at halftime and five for the game. You take it away four times and a half, really, they should have been looking at a 24 nothing, 27 nothing deficit. Game should have been over. Green Bay could have went out the yeah. second half and ran the ball up the middle the entire half. But they didn't. They didn't put it away. Seattle kept playing hard. They never really quit, which is what champions do. And so rather than focus on, you know, Green Bay's failings, I say they're probably the better team. I mean, if they played Green Bay ten times, they'd probably win six. Yeah, more than likely, and that's home and away. We need to take a break here. When we get back, we'll discuss more about the second game, which was not nearly as good a game as the first. Uh, And, and, you know, that would lead me to uh, talk about some other things network-wise. Um, as we uh, get back here on the show. But stay here with us. We're going to talk more about the AFC and NFC championships and what lies ahead in the Super Bowl, plus some college football talk. We'll do that more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Let it bump, though. The 7-on-7 season, summer basketball, family picnics, all around the corner, and you're paying big money for t-shirts from screen printers? Why? Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay an even higher price. More colors mean higher prices. How do we solve this? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, Put any wording you want, print it on your inkjet print paper, and using the proper paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, you can get this the way that you want it. There's no limit to the amount of color or the design. You can transfer a photograph using this paper. It's great for team sports. It's great for family reunions. It's great for birthday grips. The t-shirt is part of the American culture, and now you can design your own. Don't worry if you haven't done it before. T-Shirt Supplies has the first-rate customer service. They will help you get the paper you want for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them now at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirts, no hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, dot com. Or call them at one 857 2737 That's 1-877-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. 
FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills, and in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Here on the Gridiron Stud Show, Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino here talking the uh, NFL, AFC, and NFC championship games. We talked a lot about the first one uh, that took place here. Emil, that's, uh, that that game occurred in in the great city of uh, Seattle, um, located in Washington, which, as far as I know and remember, is located on the West Coast, and um, you, you would think. Seattle and Green Bay would be your uh, your second game in this whole thing. If if for nothing else, just the time zone. But for some yeah, reason, yeah, I mean, we Packers were talking about that here. We didn't get that one. That was confusing. Yeah, for the for the Packers and the Seahawks, um, which I think most people would have agreed would probably be the better game going in. Uh, that was the early game, and 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 Tom Brady and the boys got the late game. I mean, am I just being a hater here? Why 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 did the Patriots need to be the late game? I'm uh, going to guess, and this Mark is me taking the matchup? money. Let me guess here, seriously. I'm going to guess this is contractual. Here's the deal: in the Sunday late slot, that's typically your highest rated game. So you know, obviously, there's different factions that pay for pieces of the NFL action. Fox has the NFC. CBS has the AFC. You got Thursday night football, Sunday night football with the, with NBC and the NFL Network and all that good stuff. My guess is at some point the way it worked out is that CBS was owed a late game. I'm serious. So 
Hmm. That's the higher rated game because it's Sunday. It's usually 4.30. In this case, it was 6.30. People are home. You're getting more eyeballs. So I'm guessing that was contractual, seriously, because if they had their druthers, I'm sure the NFL definitely would, would want the Packers, Seahawks in that slot. So I no conspiracy theory here? You're just going to kill the conspiracy theory with some type of fact? Well, I'm not saying I, I'm guessing as a business person like you are that that is the reason. I'm not trying to kill your conspiracy theory, but I really don't think there's any because I think if you could call New York and ask them, they'd say, oh, my God, we want a Green Bay in that slot. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I was going with the whole Tom Brady needs to be playing late at night type deal. But uh, you may very well. Well, he deflated the right football, media. supposedly. They said that, that that's the new thing I, I'm reading, that they deflated the footballs to make them easier to catch, supposedly. Yeah, uh, there's going to be all types of reasons. I wonder the hatred that's going to come the Patriots' way if they, you know, do essentially end up winning this game. Uh, you sent me a text yesterday to add, and and you brought up something probably around the time that it was on my mind because let's think about what happened to the Seattle Seahawks in the first half of that game. Russell Wilson threw three interceptions. Um, there's very little separation for the Seattle wide receivers against Green Bay's secondary. I mean, Baldwin's a nice receiver, but on most other teams, he's a second or third guy. Um, I would hearken anyone out there that's not a Seattle Seahawks fan to text me right now or at least send me the name of uh, any of the other Seattle Seahawks wide receivers. You know, tweet that to me right now, at Gridiron Studs. I want to see how long it would take for you to, to, to come up with that. They just don't have what they need on the edge to consistently beat people especially when they need to. So going into a game against the Seattle Seahawks, your big attention and the thing you really need to do is shut down the beast mode, which is not easy, but if you can accomplish that, um, you're probably going to win your fair share of battles on the outside against the Seahawks' offense, and you got what what you saw in the first half there yesterday, balls needing to be fit in and squeezed into tight spaces, and then you get interceptions and turnovers. And um, There's going to be a serious problem for the Seattle Seahawks to get their guys open on, you know, perhaps the best tandem uh, of cornerbacks in in the league in, in Darrell Revis and, and Brandon Browner. But when I look over on the other side, too, uh, what do the Patriots have that's, that's going to get well, open on Seattle? Before, I don't want to, you know, you and I always are type we could change our minds over two weeks as we look at other things. I will say this, talking of changing minds, and you know this, uh, last couple this past week, I've seen errors in my ways in handicapping. Right, you know, before games, I sent you a note of the national championship game. The more I thought about it, I thought you were on the right side. I made the wrong pick. I looked at it. You had better logic, and it happened again yesterday in that first game. The more I looked at what you had said all week and looking at it, I felt like you know what, he's going to win this. You know, Green, Green Bay is the side. Uh, you know, I, I you know I got carried away with, with the Rodgers injury. So I'm not going to say whatever I'm going to say here might not change. But initially, what I see here is a guy like Belichick, who is a great defensive mind, like Carroll, sitting there and saying, I, I can't let Lynch beat me. So he's going to man those receivers early and make, and make Wilson show him that he has to bring people out of that box. I mean, he's going to make those receivers make plays. Now you're asking, what, how about New England? The thing I see that New England does a little bit better, they're able to work in guys that you wouldn't call great receivers on some of these corny little five-yard catch-and-run routes that are sometimes 
a lot harder to defend because it's almost like a running play. If you got a guy like Brady who keeps putting the ball in the numbers, it's almost like, hey, we'll take four yards there, we'll take four yards here. And they have what I think is right now the most difficult matchup in football in Gronkowski because the guy can run, he's, and he's, he's just a big, strong guy, and it's, it's hard to defend him. I mean, you know, because you put a corner on him, he brushes him away. Uh, uh, have you forgotten that there's a guy named Cam Chancellor that plays for the Seattle Seahawks? I'm pretty sure. I understand. No, I understand. Listen. And, and it's probably one of the better matchups you could have against Gronkowski anywhere in the league. So I'm, I'm Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure that's what we're looking at there. No, I mean, listen, this, this game has – it's going to be a very interesting matchup if you're just a football fan. I think you've got two – Top, I know you've got two top flight coaches here. I mean, you've got Carroll, who's shown is that he is a great coach. I mean, hey, Carroll wins this game, becomes the first coach ever to win two national championships in college and two Super Bowls. First ever. Yeah, isn't that something? How about Jimmy that? Johnson got How about one in college and two in the pros. Switzer got two in college and one in the pros. This guy's going to go two and two. That's that, that, that's an. I don't think fans understand just how hard it is to win multiple championships in two totally dissimilar games as far as how you deal with players. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's there's just no way around that. There's just no way around that. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, um, this is the great uh, – this is a great he, game. He's I mean, going to get his he, – he's already got his just due, but he would, you know, get even more uh, if he's able to pull that off. I am, I am really looking forward to what's going to happen here. I'm just not sure how points are getting scored in this game. Well, if you want to make a degenerate pick, initially my pick was under in this game. I mean, I'll pick the side when we do that, you know, two weeks mm-hmm. from now. But, uh, you know, if you said to me, what's your initial thought? Under. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be a lot yeah. of points in this game. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So uh, let's talk about this game here. I, I was obviously dead wrong on this pick. Really thought the Colts had a chance in a, meme, in a rematch situation to um, have a chance to upset the New England Patriots. They rushed for 20 yards in the first game. I'm, did they? Uh, how many yards did they rush for yesterday? More than 20. Well, I just sent you a, a note here. I've, I've counted up first half when it was still a game because, let's face it, as it gets away from them, they're not going to run the ball. They ran the ball nine times by my count in the first half. For the entire game, they ran it 19 times for 83 yards. But when it was still a game, when, when New England wasn't in prevents and you know all that crap, they ran it nine times by my count in the first half. Yeah, I just think the Colts, um, really, at the end of the day, their offensive line and their total lack of belief in their running game was their biggest bugaboo uh, in their big games this season. And, with, you know, and obviously yesterday was their biggest, and that was really their undoing. Um, in a game like you had yesterday, uh, which is what happens during playoff time, you don't have the best of weather. It's not dry. It's not conducive to you throwing the ball around wherever and whenever you want. And, first, and then second of all, you're facing two of the best corners uh, in, in the game today. So you've got that, plus you've got, I mean, that rain was coming down sideways. It's not a game where you're going to be able to just throw the ball around. You've got to be able to have a running game. And well, did not you made me worse that. than you, though. I mean, I, I think, and I was surprised you made that pick. I know how, how strong a belief you have in rematches. But, you know, to me, they were the ultimate flag football team of the 2014 season. And, and I just couldn't believe you were taking them in that spot because of your disdain for that kind of football. I mean, that's, here's what I saw when I saw that game. The Colts played games against what I counted going in four division winners. 
They lost early in the year, first game of the year to Denver by seven. They played them tough. They went to Pittsburgh. Well, Pittsburgh wasn't a division winner, were they? Yeah, they were. Pittsburgh, they beat them by, Pittsburgh beat the Colts by 17 in October. Then they played New England at home and lost by 22 in November. And then they played the Cowboys in December and lost by 35. And I said, this team is a nice club. They beat the teams they should beat. But when they're asked to step up in class, they usually lose and lose fairly easily. And, you know, people were saying the Cowboys game, well, they weren't really motivated, blah, blah, blah. You know what? Yesterday's game looked like the Cowboys game, both in score and the way it was played. I don't think it had anything to do with motivation. I just think they can't handle that type of football yet. They're just not ready for it. Yeah, well, I think now at this point, uh, and, you know, this hindsight's always twenty twenty in these situations, but uh, I guess the, the, the Indianapolis Colts team that played against the Dallas Cowboys, that was your real Indianapolis Colts team. So um, you really can't tuck yourself under the hole. They weren't motivated deal it's just uh anyone that was going to be physical with the indianapolis colts was going to have their way with them and i hate the way they play defense i just really have to tell you that well you don't like the fact that they have a lot of little small guys right as far as up front don't they look to me up front i know i know every team has a big guy or two you know it's really not about that for me they just don't tackle they don't tackle they're not physical uh, they don't really put too much pressure on a, on a quarterback. They, you know, um, I watch guys just I watch running backs just run through them, um, and there's just no kind of tackling. There's nothing physical. They're the anti-Seattle Seahawks. And then up front, they can't move anyone when they're on offense. They can't turn around and hand the ball to a guy and and knock someone off when you know they need to run the ball. They just don't have the ability to do it. They are 100% finesse. Kudos to them for getting that far doing that. Uh, you really shouldn't. Um, so they at least have something there. But if they don't do something about what's going on up front, both on, on offense and defensive line, if they don't fix their trenches, they're going to look at a lot of disappointment. Let they me ask you something about that. I, I, I want to stay on that point. I want to ask you a question as a football guy, which I consider you. Would you say, and, and think about what I'm asking you, is that a function of being a pure are, – are they still playing in a dome? Because if they, it seems to me, and maybe it's my perception over the years, but I don't remember the vast majority of dome teams ever being extremely physical. And I don't know if it's just because you always have perfect weather in a dome, so you're never really forced to to, to build a team that, that, that can handle weather. And, I mean, people could say, well, look at a team like the Cowboys. They almost play in a dome. But they play in the NFC East where everyone else plays in bad weather, so their division forces them to deal with the fact that we're going to be playing cold-weather games. And I just wonder with a team like the Colts, they're in a division with Houston, Jacksonville, Tennessee, not a lot of cold-weather cities. And if they play in what I think is a dome still or a retractable roof, is that a function of that? It would seem to me but that 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 is the case. When you do play indoors like that, you think uh, you, you want to – Use what is to your advantage, and for you that would be putting a, a team together that uh, can 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 throw the ball well because you will always have uh, that advantage when you're at home. Um, you will, you know want to put a team that's fast on turf, that type of thing. And when they think of being fast on turf, it's usually offense and wide receivers and so on and so forth. So they want to have that advantage when they're at home, but that stuff doesn't play well. When you got to get out of, outside of that environment, especially in the postseason, in the months of December and January, you just can't go to Green Bay and win. It's 
difficult for you to go play in New England and win. It's difficult for you to go do those things. So unless you get home field advantage throughout, um, you can kind of kiss your chances goodbye. And it's an interesting point that you make because look at how the Saints are built. Look at how the Falcons are built. I yeah, mean, they don't have a they don't have a running game and have no. They throw the ball over the place. Time. They got Julio Jones yeah, and Roddy White. Some people would argue they have an embarrassment of riches that they don't need at the wide receiver position mm-hmm. at the expense of other positions where that money could be allocated to maybe an offensive line or defensive line. I mean, do you really need Julio Jones and Roddy White on the same team? Two number one receivers. Uh, I think you do. Uh, listen, I think you do. I don't want to say that. Uh, I think that you do. Uh, your Cowboys had Alvin Harper and Michael Irvin, and it's a it was a, but Harper a was clearly a one a, a number two receiver. I think in his prime. Now maybe at this point in his career, Roddy White is. Yeah, Roddy two. White's a number two receiver to me. Okay, I, is he? I mean, okay, I think he's a he's a little overhyped to me in my opinion. Uh, he gets a lot because there's a there's a beast on the other side. So uh, that's not a problem. Roddy White, Julio Jones, that's fine. Make sure a team has to put two safeties back there. But, my God, get a running back and some guys up front that can make a team pay for having two safeties deep. And they just don't have that and haven't had that in a while. Michael Turner, but he was, you know, Michael Turner was a, 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 a very good back, but never, like, you know, a lights out, you know, this guy. I like quizzing you. I have more questions for you because you, you're answering some football stuff for me. Am I naive now? And I've probably talked about this with you over the years. I'm not sure what the answer was. Am I naive in the way the NFL's constructed today and what you see? to believe that with an above-average quarterback, if you can build yourself two beast lines, offensive and defensive lines, you'll always be in the mix in the playoffs. Am, am I naive to believe that? Um, I, let's not underestimate. You see, we want to throw out the running back. No, I'm including. What I'm saying is if you have a beast offensive line and a beast defensive line, I'm going to assume with that beast offensive line, as long as you don't have Forrest Gump back there, you can run the ball somewhat. And I'm, so what I'm saying is with, with above-average quarterback play and no Forrest Gump at running back, I've got a guy that's a good, to, you know, a good running back, doesn't need to be Adrian Peterson or Eric Dickerson, but a good running back. Can I be in the mix yeah, but, every you know, year? Let, let, let me stop you there because I'm hearing that more and more as we go along. Um, yeah, a great offensive line – uh, anyone could come through there and get four or five yards. But if you seriously affect what's going on on the other side, and I'm talking about the, the guy that's calling the defenses on the other side, you have to have a oh-my-God player back there. It's nice to have that guy that you say can come through the line, and if I don't have enough guys up there or someone misses a tackle, damn it, he's going to go hit his head on the goalpost. That's going to affect the okay. calls that okay. I make. I put another safety down in the box. I put five men on the line right. of scrimmage because I'm nervous to have just four because I don't want to give him that kind of space. Marshawn Lynch, that's your guy right now. Um, he doesn't. He is not built like a sprinter, but damn it, man, if you let the guy get through the line of scrimmage, you don't want to. He's tough to bring down. Before you know it, he dragged you, you 20, 30 more you yards. You know your cornerback's not going to do it. You know your safety's yeah. going to have a hell of a hard time, and he might get a 50-yard run on you. So now my calls have to change. And when my calls change to stop a guy like that back there, now your receivers have a chance to make big plays. Now there's more room to fit balls in. Now that quarterback looks even more elite. So, yeah, you can get a guy that will um, – I mean, i got a great offensive line. I can hand the ball to Joe Schmoen. He'll get me four or five yards. 
That's fine. As a defensive coordinator, I'll live with that. Okay, get your four, yeah. get your five, get your four. I'll wait for you to throw the ball. Because eventually somebody will hold or make a fumble and stop the drive. And, and then a second and 15, no more running. That four or five yards isn't going to do anything. Right, right, right. Now let me ask you, you is it fair to say that's where you would start building a team, though, up front? I mean, is that, I, mean I see most teams don't, don't subscribe to that, as simple as it sounds to me. Most teams seem to say, hello, I'm going to start with – wide receivers and quarterbacks and and it's almost like they like here here's a team that comes to my mind New York Giants okay they got Eli Manning's won a couple Super Bowls now he's probably a little overhyped because he won them I mean the numbers don't suggest that he's any anywhere near Tom Brady but he's won two they've got Odell Beckham already one of the three four or five best receivers in the league okay but they can't block anybody uh, yeah, I know it. I, I I know it. Kudos to them for getting that. It's going to help them. Watch how much that helps them next year. But they do need to address that. You know what happens? You win a couple Super Bowls, and the quarterback gets all the adulation. He gets all the praise. He gets all that. And then the franchise starts to think, we've got a franchise quarterback. Let's make it all about him. Man, we don't need that other receiver. We've got Eli. Or we don't need that running back. We've got Eli. Damn it, Eli became Eli because you had uh, a running back back there. Right. That's because you had Brandon Jacobs, and you had Ahmad Bradshaw, Eli became Eli. So now when you let them go, Eli's not Eli anymore. Eli has thrown the ball to the other guy, and that's what he's he's been when he hasn't had a ground game. And that's what the Patriots did. They had a formula. They were winning, and the whole Tom Brady story seemed like a nice little narrative, and so it started to become all about Tom Brady. And you know what? Let's let's really get the most. Let's max out this franchise quarterback. So you know what? We don't need the running game anymore. We've got Tom Brady. We're going to send out five guys on routes all the time and let him throw the ball 60 times. And that has not worked for them for the last decade. So guys, the franchises need to be careful when they have a franchise quarterback. Continue to make him a franchise quarterback by having the pieces around him that you need to have. Green Bay is going to learn that soon, and I really hate to see Aaron Rodgers. I really believe he's the best quarterback in this game right now, but I hate to see the fact that they want to make it really all about him. Man, get some Well, I have one statement, and then I'm going to put you that. on the hook before we go to our college segment. Okay, I'm going to make you do mm-hmm. some rank. You like to do ranking, so I'm going to make you rank something, okay? I'm going to tell you the rest of my life I'm going to hate Kyle Orton, okay? Because as far as I'm concerned, Kyle Orton cost my beloved Cowboys the number one seed in the NFC because when Romo was hurt, we played Brandon Whedon against the Arizona Cardinals in a game that was 14-10 in the fourth quarter. Had we even had a competent quarterback, and Orton is competent on most days compared to Brandon Whedon, we probably beat Arizona, go 13-3, and and end up with the number one seed, and I might be watching a Super Bowl. So Kyle Orton, if you ever listen to this show, I hate you. You're going to blame the old bearded one? Come on, man. The man went where he thought the grass was going to be a little greener. And then he retired, the son of a bitch. He retired after he did that. I hate him. Okay, now, on to you. Season's over. We have one game left. Purpose of this discussion, we are going to put the winner, obviously, of the Patriots-Seahawks. Number one, the loser, number two. Give me your other top five teams. So, in other words, I'm going to assume... Seahawks, Patriots would be one and two, winner or loser. Give me the rest of your top five for the NFL now that you've seen the season play itself. Uh, uh, this is something that would seem to be easy to do, but it's 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 really not. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with this, and people may or may not like it. 
I am going to simply say, uh, yes, yeah, Seattle, New England, one and two, depending on who wins this last game. I'm going to put that third team as Green Bay because they could have just as, as we've discussed ad nauseum on this show today, could have just as easily been in this last game that we've got coming up here. Um, as much as I've, I've, you know, I've grew to dislike their brand of football yesterday watching it, I have to put Indianapolis at number four for uh, making it to that AFC championship game and winning two games before that to get there, one of them in Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have to give them credit for that. I do have to put them there. And then, Matt, as much as I'm looking for an NFC team to put in that number five spot, i got to put the Broncos there, even with a chicken-armed um, you know, Peyton Manning. Broncos went out for the second year in a row and won a whole bunch of regular season games. i got to give them their credit for that. I think. I, I would say you're good up to three. Games. I would definitely agree with you on the Packers. Well, I, I don't know if I agree, but, yeah, I mean, you make a strong case. I mean, they had two shots at the Apple in Seattle and lost both games, though. But I'll give you three because they got there. I definitely think Dallas was a better team than Indy or Denver. You know, you just you, – you, yeah, you're right. How, how I mean, I mean, if you look top happen? to bottom, I mean, for, I, do you know, to, I know it's one game, one off. Well, you know what? Allow me to take out my, my pencil and rub that out. I would put Dallas at four and then um, – I mean, they beat Indy I by five I've touchdowns. You can argue motive all you want, but it was in December. It wasn't in September. They beat them at the end of the year by five touchdowns. I mean, seriously. Yeah, you're right. You're right, man. I skipped that over. My bad. On I fumbled that one. Yes, I would put the Cowboys at number four and then Indy at five. And it's a real fight for me to put India against uh, ahead of Denver because I think. But they, they beat them. That game they again, beat them at the end of the year. That way, but it is what it is. They did beat them in their place, so I do have to put India at number five. Would okay, well we that handled or? that. Go pay some bills. We'll come back and do college. That's right. When we get back, our last segment here on the Gridiron Stud Show, we'll talk a little college football. If you want to join us on the show again today, it's three four seven six three three nine three six five, or as always, you could reach us on Twitter at. Gridiron Studs. We'll be back with more college football talk on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. You want to play college football, right? Well, that's not going to happen unless you have a highlight video. And if you want one of the best highlight videos in the country, then visit Under the Radar Highlight Videos right now. They will give you their best. Ten DVDs, affordable, done fast. They'll even remix your highlights or take your huddle highlights and put them on YouTube. And they've worked with some of the best. Deion Sanders Jr., top recruits in the country, Adoree Jackson and Joe Mixon. Current UCLA wide receiver Shaquille Evans. Cordell Brodus, son of Snoop Dogg, as well as top 2013 USC recruit, Stuart Craven. If you want to be seen by the colleges and have the offers rolling in, then you need to contact Under the Radar Highlights right now. 
visit them at youtube.com forward slash users UTR highlight videos. That's youtube.com forward slash users forward slash UTR highlight videos. Get over there, get that video made, and be seen by the colleges now. We're back here for the final segment of the Gridiron Stud Show. Emil, uh, you have something that's been on your mind college football-wise for the entirety of this weekend. I saw it. Um, I don't really have a dog in this fight, but uh, I found it to be uh, rather unfair, peculiar, um, borderline ridiculous. Um, why don't you lay this out for the uh, listeners here for us? Well, it's gone on so long, I don't know where to start. You know, we're talking, if, if, what Chad's alluding to is there was a decision over the weekend, and I mean, I guess, you know, you had to be on an island in the Caribbean if you didn't hear this, but Penn State will have the uh, 112 wins that were taken away uh, during during this you know the the Sandusky era as they call it uh, from Joe Paterno uh, restored, so he becomes the winningest coach again in college football. I guess I have to back up and start personally, and I think you know this from talking to me over the years. I'm never a big fan of retracting wins in general. I think it's a silly concept. Um, it happened. The game is played. It's historical. Somebody won. Somebody lost. We know who won and lost. To ask us to suspend reality and say that we are going to not acknowledge it is is to me just utter silliness every graphic that's on a college football game when it involves uh vacated wins of any team there's usually a thing it says such and such leads this series 45 40 with three ties oh and by the way uh the little star they were forced to vacate one of those wins according to nca so i mean the tv networks acknowledge the win so to me that's silliness that said okay with that being my opinion, if you are taking them away, which the NCAA has done from many schools over the years, to restore them to Penn State in this case, I don't get it. I, I just, I mean, I'm being kind because I don't want to get my blood pressure up. Did Joe Paterno commit a crime? Absolutely not. But here's the example I gave over the weekend to someone. They said, well, he did the, you know, what he was required to do by law. Okay, let's pretend Joe Paterno had a star wide receiver, quarterback, pick the position. Kid was struggling in school. Joe was always big on his kids doing well in school, to his credit. He calls academic affairs. He gets Johnny a tutor. Sends Johnny the tutor in September. Okay. Do you think that he would wait till the end of maybe December, right before the bowl game, and say, hey, Johnny, how'd you make out in that class so we figure out if you could play? Or do you think, in my example, Johnny would have been coming into his office once a week on a schedule, whether it be Friday or Monday, reporting to the coach how he was doing in his classes so coach could monitor his progress mm-hmm. in school. Which one do you think that would be? Oh, I'm pretty sure it's going to be the latter, that's for sure. Right. And there's that is my point. It would be the latter, and that would be because he cared about it. Now, he could have cared about it for the right reasons because he wants Johnny to get a good education, could have been a little combination of self-serving and that. You know, I want Johnny to get a good education, and damn it, I need him to play in the bowl game. But at the end of the day, he would have monitored the situation. And I guess that's what I'm I'm asking Penn State fans here, who honestly, to me, it's almost cult-like when I, when I watch the reaction to things. I know we all love our teams. 
but it's almost cult-like, posting 409 forever on social media. It's like you had child <laughs> rape going on at your school. You had ch- uh, What do you say? Well, let me stop you there. What do you say to the people whose argument is what went on at Penn State is not an NCAA thing. It's a Department of Justice thing. It's a legal thing. It's not something that the NCAA should have involved themselves. Uh, hey, in. hey, Let's hey! Face it. Time no out, argument from me there. There's, NCAA yeah, over. No, there was no. There was no advantage gained by what went on there at Penn State. Well, I could make that argument. There was, but let me let me address that in two two separate issues. One, I think the NCAA overstepped their bounds in the case. I think it was a legal matter. Okay, that that said. It it probably should have been addressed that way. They wanted to get out in front of it because it was obviously a black eye. But here's where the advantage was gained. And for some reason, I, people who can't take off the the navy blue and white glasses can't understand this. When most of this went on, this was not Joe Paterno late '70s or '80s. Okay, Penn State had three losing seasons in a row the early part of the 2000s. Go look it up. Mm-hmm. There, winning four and five games. People want to rewrite history. I lived here. There were people calling for him, hey, the game's passed, coach, by. Time to get some new blood in there. Let's give someone else a shot. Three straight losing seasons, okay? This comes out at that time. This isn't Joe, I'm winning 11, 12 games a year. It's not going to hurt my recruiting, no big deal. He he was looking at, you know, at that time, he, he wasn't as popular as people remember him. I mean, a lot of fans were getting restless, as you know fans do, and – he was having some struggles, and this was going to hurt him. You know, you, you really want to go into a high school kid's house having one, been five and seven the year before, and oh, by the way, my longtime defensive coordinator was raping children in our in our uh, football facilities. I'm just so there. You can make the argument there was a little uh, bit of an on, advantage. That's a loose. That's a that's a loose advantage on the field game there. I mean. I don't, I it don't is, so but listen, there's that. a reason. Something went off in this man's head who seemed to always make good decisions, always mm-hmm. ran a clean program, always had kids mm-hmm. that, you know, seemed to go to school for the most part and get graduate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something went off in the guy's head because I can almost guarantee you if that was a family member, he wouldn't have treated it like that. It just seems to me, listen, you're the most powerful man at this mm-hmm. university. And make no mistake about it in his tenure there for the mm-hmm. most part. I mean, Joe Paterno, and you see the reaction. He walked on water at Penn State. He makes a call and says, hey, you know what? I have no, all I have is somebody telling me this, but we really need to get this investigated. And by the way, I want all privileges for Coach Sandusky pulled. He can no longer be in suites at the stadium, using facilities, anything like that. Do you think that wouldn't have went down that way? Um, listen, obviously he's had to make, he had to make tough decisions throughout his life, obviously being a coach, but I don't know how long Sandusky and, 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 uh, Joe Paterno worked together. Uh, they'd obviously shared a lot of great moments. Um, and I think this was a friend, uh, and Paterno does come from an era where loyalty really, really meant something. And I think he was seriously conflicted as it pertained to this, perhaps even in denial that this man could even do this, be this type of person, this person that's been around me through all these things for all these years could in actuality be this person. I think there had to be an ungodly amount of denial. But uh, I don't want to hearken too much on that about, you know. so. No, much, I, I mean, I, to me it's more the reaction of the fan base. Listen, 
If you want to say, oh, I'm glad he got his 409 back. Hey, I'm man, all, they're I'm gloaters, all, man. This is what we've got now. They're gloaters. They got but I'm okay with him getting his 409 back because I never thought it should have been taken away. What I have a problem with is more the overall reaction. And somehow he's become the victim in this. It's like, wait a second here. How about the kids? Yeah, uh, I get that. But let, let me, let's, let's leave it to this. Uh, USC... Whether you agree with the sanctions that were handed out or not, there was an advantage gained by what they were accused of. When you can provide for a a player, obviously one that you feel like you need to have, obviously uh, one of the great players of all time in college football, when you can provide uh, a home and travel benefits for that player's family, you stand obviously a better chance of – Obtaining well, wait, let me stop you there for one second. Here's where the advantage would be, where I disagree in this case, but it would be. If you got the player to come to your school by doing that, then yes, I would agree. If you got him to stay at your school because he was going to the NFL mm-hmm. draft, then yes, I would agree. The issue with Bush was the last two games of his sophomore year, and apparently his junior year, his parents were taking these benefits. At this point, he's already at your school. He can't leave, mm-hmm. and he can't go to the NFL draft. So I would say, well, in theory, overall, I agree with your premise. In this specific case, there really was no advantage other than his parents had a pretty damn nice lifestyle. <laughs> I would venture to say this, that what USC was caught doing with Reggie Bush was only some of what was done with Reggie Bush. I'm fairly certain that certain prom- uh, promises were made to Reggie Bush prior to him coming on campus, and that may have been one of them. That was at that point in time. Well, they delivered. didn't do it, though. you got to remember, this was an agent outside of, of the school. And by the oh, way, there's no, a, come on, man. Come on. Go, there's go, a lawsuit go, going not, down right now. My co-host, with, is, my co-host is not dumb. You know better than that. No, no. You there's a lawsuit going on right now. Todd McNair is actually suing the NCAA. Uh, the, I know they tried, Yeah, and he's going to win. Um, every I, one of those see. coaches... But don't give me that. This was done by an outside. Let guy. me ask this you this: When Jim Trussell got suspended, when Jim Trussell had his issue at Ohio State, what happened to Jim Trussell? He was suspended five years. He could not coach again in the NCAA. That was the ruling that came down. There's not one coach at USC from that staff that is not allowed to walk back in tomorrow and coach in the NCAA. And from the time the sanctions were handed down, all I'm trying to tell you is. That I, I know where you're going with this, but I'm saying when you, you put know they make up the rules as they go along. Exactly, so and that's different. my point. They make them up as they go along. So here's the deal: if you're telling me that a university can preside over a case where a child mm-hmm. predator used their facilities for mm-hmm. over a decade mm-hmm. to molest kids, and you want to give mm-hmm. context to everything, then all mm-hmm. those schools—Miami, Alabama, Florida State, Ohio State, USC. Should should at the very least have their wins restored. Period. Because they played yeah, the games uh, and won. I'm 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 with you for the most part on the on the whole taking away of the wins. But how about this situation here? Since you say you don't believe that that should ever be done, um, let's use let's use USC for an example. Mm-hmm. USC plays an entire season with a team full of guys. Let's say twenty out of 22 starters right. were on steroids, all right? Right. And it's come to everyone's uh, attention later on that they were on steroids, and they just went out and mashed everyone. Right, right. Know that year, bigger, stronger, faster than everyone, and it comes to light that they were on steroids. 
should they vacate the 11 wins that they had in that? No, and I'm going to explain why. And it could be anybody. It doesn't even have to be somebody close to my heart. It could be Northern Illinois. Let's use them. Mm-hmm. They didn't get caught at the time. The games were played. Okay, just like if the mm-hmm. Patriots, there's an example. They, say they did tape the Rams and it helped them in the Super Bowl. You can't say they didn't win the Super Bowl, no matter what the reason. Well, the was they, won, that, they won because of. But the penalties are coming. You're double dipping. Here's the deal. When you give a, a scholarship, when you give scholarship reductions to a school going forward, you in essence are vacating wins from that school most of the time because it's a, usually a good school that wins games anyway. So mm-hmm. use USC. Over the last five years, they vacated more wins than they ever did anyway because even though they had a pretty good record in that five years, it was nowhere near what the record probably would have been at full strength. Any school, Penn State vacated wins going forward because – they were playing reduced scholarships. They weren't going to. Penn State wasn't a school that typically won six, seven, eight games. They were winning nine, mm-hmm. ten, eleven games. So mm-hmm. you're double dipping by by reducing scholarships. You're going to vacate wins for them going forward, and then you turn around and you say we're going to take ones away that were historic that were already played. I'm going to ask you, who's let me ask let me ask you this question: People that are accused of mortgage fraud, let's say, they are asked to pay back the money, correct? Sure. Yes or no? Of course. No? Yes. Are they also thrown in prison? Yes. Is that double dipping? Well, the mortgage fraud thing, you're you're Man, you got caught, you gave the money back, hey, don't do it again. No, that's not what they say. Give the money back. And then you're also going to do. But you're asking. So here, you're here's gonna, the deal. Only college money, football. And then now you're not going to make any money in prison. Chad, college sports is the only thing that tries this silliness. If Barry Bonds hit a home run on steroids, you can't go back and change the World Series. It happened. Oh, time out. We're, are we going to use Major League Baseball as the model here? No, I'm using. An, I'm using an example. If the Patriots tape the Super Bowl, you can't go back and say, "Hey, you guess what? We're going to give it to the Rams." Is there not any circumstance under which you feel like a team should be should be should have an an award or reward removed from the yes. history book? Yes, if they paid off because the if they paid off the officials, if literally paid them off, something like that. Yes. So that's where you draw the line. So like steroids making you obviously clearly stronger and faster as Get we know them test. to be able to do. They, they test for huh? steroids. If you if you beat the test, you beat the test. That's that's your that's the NCAA's oh, fault. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Really? Yes. Yeah. So that so so in your eyes, that's on that's on the that's on the NCAA. Well, I'm not you saying I advocate it. I don't want you to cheat and use steroids. Oh, I know that. I know. I know yeah. you're not morally challenged. I'm just no. Saying, I, what, I, what um, I'm trying to what I'm trying to tell you is I live. I'm a pragmatist. I live in the real world. You can't tell me something that I witnessed happening. That happened. That I may even have been at it. Uh, didn't oh, happen. no one's asking you to delete your your memory banks. Yeah, you saw it happen. But we also, while you're remembering that game, we want you to forever know why that took place. We want you to know why the New England Patriots beat the St. Louis but Rams they, or whoever but the you, hell you know what? we tape practices. There's it's we you know what, a lot to me a lot of it is is just silliness. And you know I think I think by and large you understand what I'm saying. I, I get your your examples of 20 out of 22 players on steroids, I get that. But most of the time, let's go back to the real world. That's not why wins are removed by the NCAA. Most of the time, it's an isolated case. And many times, it has nothing to do directly with any of the schools. You know, I mean, it, the problem with all these schools... Why do you think they do that? Why? It makes them feel good. Yeah. No different than why did they run in and take 109 or 111 wins away from Paterno. It made them look like, you know, to people... 
there's a lot of haters in this world, okay? Mm-hmm. So for a lot of people who aren't affiliated with Penn State, it was good. They got what they had coming for, to them. And I looked mm-hmm. at it and said, well, mm-hmm. even though I think what Penn State presided over was wrong, I don't think that taking 111 wins away was the answer because he coached those games. It had nothing to do with him winning. So what did you prove? Six- Help me out here, because I don't know why. How did they come by the number 109 wins? They started in 1998 when they when the when they when they figured according to some that I guess it was the free report. You want to report, you sign up Louis Free. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently, that's when they feel the the incident started, and they ended it when at mm-hmm. the end of his career. And they just said from 1998 forward, we're taking every win away. Yeah, um, I would not in any way, shape, or form. Uh, agree with wins being taken away in that particular no, instance. No, none. Um, How can you do that? If I know that has to be a role, a, a rule, um, I'm not so up in arms about wins being taken away from USC uh, because I feel an advantage is gained when you can play, when you can pay a player, which is against the rules, to be on your team. Um, which listen. The NCA has got their head that far in the ground to know to think that that may. That's well, and I think the other problem I have with that, what you just said in general, though, is, and you know, I'm I'm not asking you to confirm this, but I think we both feel pretty comfortable that if you gave us a little undercover team, I could find almost every school's paying the players. In some well, way, all, all you got to do is all, all you got to do is want to know about it. See, this is how I think the NCA um, goes about their business. They're not trying to discover something that no one else knows about. They just right. want to take care of something that everybody seems to know about. And it's just all about protecting their And there's um, no uniformity. Their, their identity. There's no uniformity. No, it, is, the, it is very much we're going to make these rules up as we go along. As we go. No that's proactive. the problem. There's nothing proactive about them. Hey, this could be a problem coming down the road. Should we address this before it hits the public waves and kind of messes with the integrity of what it is we do here? It's not totally reactive by them. Hey, this happened. The uh, the country's talking about it. Let's move on this. And you know what? To show that we mean business, we're going to make this new rule. And it's not for anyone that might do this coming down the road. We're going to institute this new rule on these guys that just did this before this rule even existed. That yeah, and then let's and let's let's take Penn State out of it. I have no particular beef with Ohio State. You want to talk about? Let's take two cases, and you tell me where the context is. Ohio State has the kids selling the memorabilia before the Sugar Bowl. Mm-hmm. Clear violation. NCAA, they were going to play Arkansas in that game. Says, well, it would be an undue hardship to suspend these six guys for the bowl game. Uh, <clears throat> ABC's paying seventeen million per team, or whatever it is. Right. Okay, so right. they can play. Yep, they can play, and then they'll serve the suspension the beginning of the following season. Well, five of the six turn pro. Okay, <laughs> what a shame. Then the NCAA comes what in. And they says, "Oh, and by the way, Jim Tressel, the head coach, was not only presiding over it; he was actually a part of it. He was covering it up. They have emails, everything. So here's the penalty for Ohio State: we're going to give you one bowl game and nine scholarships over three years." Now, UFC, again, none of the coaches involved in it. You could say, well, they didn't want to know, whatever, but they weren't. there's no emails incriminating anyone, okay? They get mm-hmm. two bowl games and 30 scholarships. Seems to me you're mm-hmm. making it up as you go along. Yeah, pretty much. 
Okay, that's all I'm saying. We can argue all day about wins or whatever, because like you said, that doesn't. I said that at the beginning. It doesn't matter. Everybody acknowledges. No, the, win. the Ohio they, State thing was a sham, my friend. You knew. Everyone knew those guys were going to bolt. Uh, they weren't going to come back and just sit there with their suspension. They were going to take off. And then Jim Trestle, obviously a person held in high honor and regard, would have no problem snatching up another job somewhere else. Because I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to just sit here and twiddling my thumbs. Uh, I'm going to make the most out of the name that I created. And then nine scholarships over three years just means you've got nine gravy-trained dudes you're just not going to have on your squad. It's, exactly. You know, that's not going to hurt anybody. Um, you've got – go look on any sidelines. You've got, you've got nine guys sitting right there in one given season who will not mess up their hair for not one game. That's not right. really – And funny. you see my frustration with the NCAA that I think you share is that – I think all USC fans should be upset. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And it's really not even about vacated wins. The, 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 the hands of justice were seemed rather heavy on USC for some reason as opposed to that of others. And well, you gave the reason. What are you, you're acting like you've given the reason. The reason is simple. It's almost like the NCAA's corrective action when a team gets too good. It's, it's gone on historically. Okay, Oklahoma in the 70s. Then we went to Miami in the 80s. Then Alabama got a taste of it at the same time in the late 80s. Then USC got a taste of it. And I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if Alabama – And they would have given it to Auburn, too. Had, listen, the best thing that happened to Auburn long-term was to suck the year after they won that championship. Sure, they just let Cam Newton go. It was like, you know what, eh, we don't care yep. if they paid for him. There's no big deal. Now, if they had won a couple, they'd be down at oh, Auburn. Oh, yeah. That's it. They would have vacated wins. <laughs> How about that? that right, but the, and that, that's where happened. I get that's where my, my friend where I get very frustrated with with them. Right now, they have a case with North Carolina going on where there's clear. I mean, everything I've read on this case is there's clear, big time, academic fraud at what is a really good school, the University of North Carolina, big time academic fraud. Now, they haven't won is, enough though. They haven't won enough to 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 get the hammer dropped on them. You understand? Well, that. and. And it seems for some reason they get preferential treatment with that basketball program. I'm sure that involves some of them, too. And at the end of the day, I want to see. Because if you know what, academic fraud trumps everything. You're a university. If you're cheating to get the kids through school, I mean, that's worse than what any agent can do at Miami or USC. I mean, if you're cheating to get the kids through school, that is the definition of, you know, college sports. You're supposed to be in college. <laughs> right. Right, it's what you're supposed to be there for. Supposed to, and you could, you know, we're on the radio. So anyway, enough on my NCAA rant. The whole thing just makes, yeah, I think the whole thing is screwed up. I'm, I'm glad it's. I hope it's over with now. I, I don't ever. Hopefully, we don't spend another minute next this upcoming year talking about uh, the Penn State issue. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that won't be the case with the we lawsuit. We won't. But here's what's going to happen for you, Emil. Uh, there's, there obviously there are going to be more infractions that are going to come down the line. That's just college football. People are going to cheat. It's going to happen. Things are going to have to be addressed, and penalties will be handed down. And forever, I think USC is going to ever, any time there's the sanctions handed down, um, they're a lot. They're just not going to fit the crime. Um, and it's not going to be anything like what happened to USC. So every time sanctions are handed down or uh, whistles blown, USC fans are going to have something to say. That's, that's going to well, I think part of it is I think Hayden's a real gentleman, and he said he's gone back there three or four times, obviously privately, or we would have addressed it on the show if we knew about it. I mean, I think if I were him just to show that, you know, okay, you guys want to play dirty in the sandbox, whether I win or lose, 
I would have a great L.A. law firm trump up a, a suit against the NCA for something. You can prove damages, something, you know, where you say, hey, you know what, the context of this in retrospect hurt our program to the tune of tens of millions of dollars, come up with a number and a formula. you got actuary kids studying at USC, okay, <laughs> and sue them. I would like to see that. I would like to see them do that, though. Oh, I'd love like to see him show the balls to do that, frankly. You know, go out, go after yeah, these guys. Yeah, hold it to the fire. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I would like to see that. So perhaps they are considering it, and I would like to see something like that. They, you know, let's get some uniformity going forward. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if that ever happens. Uh, certainly an interesting discussion and one that we could probably hold uh, for quite some time here. But we don't have all the time in the world. We have a limited amount of time here on the show, as much as uh, our, our listeners out there may feel bad about that more is coming uh, huh? is telling us we've, we've reached we have indeed reached the end of uh another only only one more of these uh shows for uh this part of the year to wrap up uh, a game and that will be the super bowl coming ahead obviously in the weeks to come or the days to come we will uh dig more into the super bowl matchup and try and give you an idea of uh what can what can and will happen in that game so uh it was great recapping it um, and and uh, you're back on Friday. I'm sure there'll be plenty of off-season non-football stuff for us to talk about. We'll do that. And uh, we'd like to thank you all for listening. We appreciate you making this and continuing to make this a featured show on blogtalkradio.com. For Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day. high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges, step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting, we've got people visiting, we've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now, set your profile up, and let yourself be seen.